Hey, Rockheads. If you haven't already checked out Music to Code By, you really should, especially if you need to focus on anything, like programming. But it's not just good for programming. It's also great for kids doing homework. It's great for reading, great for writing, anything that requires your concentration. The results speak for themselves. I've got hundreds of satisfied customers. Go check out their comments at mtcb.pwop.com. That's mtcb.pwop.com. .NET Rocks, episode 1160, with guest Woody Zool. Recorded Wednesday, June 17th, 2015. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And we're here at the Fishbowl in uh, Oslo, Norway. Indeed. First day is winding down. First yeah. day of the regular conference. It's the last show of the day, which usually means we're a little punchy. Yep. And Woody Zool is here, so, so we should have some fun. Should be some good punches. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but we'll talk to him in a few minutes. First, uh, I'm going to continue the Better Know Framework trend of gotchas. Awesome. So roll the music. <laughs> All right, dude, what's that gotcha? So, uh, as you know, I've been taking this series from a thread on Stack Overflow, which you can follow at tinyurl.com slash csgotchas. That'll redirect there. And basically, the, the, the question was posited, hey, you know, what are your most aggravating gotchas, annoyances about uh, the language or right. .NET or whatever? And people posted a bunch of them. And so I'm going through some, some of these. Some good ones. Yeah, some good ones. So here's one. System.drawing.image.fromfile. Pass the file name. Right. Guess what it does? It leaves the file locked until the image is disposed. Oh, my. Not good. That's not good. That's no, a, that's, I'd call that a bug. Yeah, but, you know, um, according to these guys, uh, every explanation has been, you know, that's the way it works. Sorry. You know, just... That's the way you're it works. Lo- you're loading it into memory. You let the handle go. I do. I, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, image from file oh, means man. when you're done with the file, you have the image, right? Right. But uh, in order to solve it, this guy uh, wrote a little using block, you know, that uh, uses it mm-hmm. and then calls and creates a stream from it, opens the stream. And then creates the image from the stream. And so he's that, basically making a copy of it so that he can dispose, drop the file, handle lock. And I don't think that it makes a copy of it. I think it just opens it as a stream, hmm. which is what you would expect from file to do in the first place. Right. But it doesn't. So uh, that's uh, just a, a way to get around it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good gotcha. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, you know, ugh, I came right. into this so happy with C sharp. You're making me squirm. <laughs> well, it's these little things that we need to know. I, I guess so. Yeah. I hope some there aren't some people like madly dashing to their source code right, right now and searching for system image from file. Yeah. Know it, learn it, hate it. Yeah, that's it. So Richard, who's talking to us today? Grabbed a comment off of show 1118, the one we did with Mr. Dan North. We talked a little bit about accelerating agile. Yeah. This comment comes from well. Here's a name that needs to buy a vowel. 
Uh, UBRGW. Let's call them UB. UB. So UB says, uh, the best development process for your team today, no matter how bad it is, is the one you're currently using. Okay. Uh, I've heard too many teams and companies try to, quote, go agile all at once and fail because it's too different. Yep. You know, there's merit to what you know how to do, even if it's got problems. Yeah. I think retrospective is the most important aspect to focus on towards becoming agile and having continuous improvement. The retrospective, mm-hmm. yeah, just, you know, the yeah. debrief, really. Sure. Reflect not only on how you solved the business problem, but all the processes involved, like how to measure progress, communicate, and even the retrospective itself. Mm-hmm. I love the line, you know what code doesn't have bugs? No code. (laughs) When I do write code, I try to write as little code as possible. And always keep in mind to try and delete more code than I write by cleaning up old and other code as I go along. My motto is, any monkey can write code a machine understands. Strive to write code that fellow humans can understand. (laughs) And keep it simple and keep developing yourself. Thanks so much for endless hours of thought and experience shared via the podcast. I encourage everyone I know to listen to .NET Rocks. You know, his comment reminds me of, um, you know, somebody who is trying to make a lifestyle change. Like, you know, this, like a New Year's resolution. Like, this year I'm going to work out every day. And and you have 10, yeah, work out every day. I'm going to eat better. I'm I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to floss. Right. (laughs) And and you try to make all these changes all at once. And, of course, none of them ever stick. But, you know, a habit only takes 30 days. You know, personal. And we're talking about personal lifestyle change when we're talking about Agile. It's a lifestyle change. Yeah. So I love the idea of just doing one at a time. One one thing. You know, one thing at a time. Start with the retrospective. Start with the retrospective, and then it becomes a habit, and then you can move on. Yeah, you get hooked on it. And it's one of those ones that that's going to help everything else get better. Absolutely. So, UB. Thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or via any of the social medias because we post every show on Google Plus and Facebook. And you can find us tweeting at at Carl Franklin and at Rich Campbell. And Woody Zool is here again. He's been programming computers for 30-plus years and works as an agile coach and application development manager for Hunter Industries a manufacturer of high-quality and innovative irrigation products. All of a sudden, I need a high colonic. Uh, His team is the originators of the mob programming approach to teamwork in software development, and Woody is considered one of the founders of the No Estimates hashtag discussion on Twitter. Uh Uh-oh. Over the last 15-plus years, he's worked as an agile coach, application development manager, trainer, and extreme programmer. He believes that code must be simple, clean, and maintainable so that we can realize the agile promise of responding to change and that we must constantly inspect and adapt. Not to mention he's a fine bluegrass flat picker, I know, because he just (laughs) did it in front of me, and it was pretty darn good. Welcome back, Woody. Well, it's nice to see a guitar here. Thanks for inviting me on. I should have warned you, I've changed jobs since then. Oh, okay. I work for Industrial Logic now. Oh, all right. uh, Which is a, a premier extreme programming training company okay and uh, josh karyevsky's company so but um we'll change the bio on the website yeah to be correct but it's it, i think that my years at hunter are years that i really really treasure because i was given the freedom to let the, the team discover how best to work yeah. and that that was a very powerful and, it, and uh, hunter thing. is not a technology company i mean you guys did yeah you they're know. not a technology they're a manufacturer but they're mm. they're 
products contain a lot of technology. Mm. Yeah. But they're not a, they, you know, they're, they're a manufacturer of essentially irrigation sprinklers and lighting. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, but their, their byline is built on innovation. Nice. And yeah, so that's, it's a, th- that's a big part of what they're about is innovating. But I think it speaks volumes about Hunter. Yes. That they would give you room to really experiment with development. I, did it, what did it do to the software? Like, I've got to think they've got a big software dependency. Hmm. Yeah, so, so there are several teams that are writing software, and the team that I worked with, um, which was an amazing group of people, mm-hmm. um, we went from delivering a few relatively large chunks of projects a year into delivering many, many projects. So I, I don't have the exact numbers, but something on order of, of 10 or more times more the, the, the amount of work that went out. Now, there's a big reason for that, and that is that in the way most projects are are uh, approached, we're going to decide on a bunch of functionality Mm -hmm. that we want to do as a project. And then we do that and deliver it. And the way that I like to work is, let's find something of value that we can deliver right away, and let's deliver that. So once you start doing that, a wonderful thing happens. And that is, you start steering towards the more valuable things. Instead of staying stuck on the things you thought were valuable before you knew much about the project. It's at the beginning that we know the least about the work that we're going to do. For sure. And that's when we make all those big decisions. I had the, um, uh, how should I say this politely without offending a customer? Um, (laughs) I I had a situation in which I really wanted to, uh, you know, I could tell that the customer was, you know, hadn't done an update to their projects in a long, long time. So it was something where they were very conservative. They, you know, they wanted to find people they could trust. They didn't know much about technology, so they really had to trust somebody, right? And I said, well, here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll pick some low-hanging fruit and, uh, and uh, do that. And I went home and did it and did it quickly and came back. And, and they were so freaked out by this that it... It actually didn't end well. <laughs> it was almost like that's sad. You couldn't possibly have done that already. We, you know, we don't really. And I and I got the message of mistrust. So that's an interesting point you're making, and that relates to the idea that what we expect is hard to change. So we expect things to work a specific way, and when they don't work that way, it's a little bit hard for us to accept that those that that other thing is actually working. So so I've actually seen this a couple times, and this is almost like playing a trick on somebody, but I was asked to do some work very similar to what you're suggesting there. And I took it and got it done. And then I told them, I'll have it ready in a couple weeks. (laughs) Because I knew that if I walk back in, it's like, like, uh, you know... It's, it's too unbelievable that it could have happened that way. Right. But in this case, it wasn't any magic I was doing. Right, and, he, you, and know. you must have just like downloaded something somewhere and you exactly. know, just cheated. So if you, if, if you give them more <laughs> than they expect too quickly, that, that could be too much of a shocker. And I'm sad to hear that it didn't go well for you because yeah. that could have been the beginning of a really great relationship for them. Yeah, for yeah. them, but not yeah. for me. Not necessarily <laughs> for you. Yeah. Well, there you go. You weren't too heartbroken. Oh, uh, no, But this no. touches to the core of the, of the no estimates idea, yeah. is that if we can get an extremely rapid cycle, we, a lot of the things we think we need, we no longer need. Right. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I've even seen it where if you get really good at delivering software quickly, getting something done and getting it delivered... The pressure goes in the other direction. Now the people that want the work done 
have to scramble to figure out what's the next thing they'd like to do. Right, right. right. So it's, it's sort of changes, and it's a good, it's a good thing. It's sure. like the, the, you say about steering a car, you know, if you pick the direction and then lock the steering wheel in that direction, you're going to crash pretty soon because <laughs> right. you have to constantly be adjusting. So, and it's not a matter of going necessarily a little bit this way, a little bit that way. Sometimes yeah. you have to just turn completely one way. That's right. And you can't do that if you set aside, say, six months worth of work. And, and then you're dedicated yourself to doing it. Is it. This is a side effect of when you make a plan like that, you're not willing to divert from it? So I would say that's a fundamental problem. Mm-hmm. The idea that we've invested that much already. In a plan. Uh, in a plan. We've decided on this. And therefore, unless we've openly at the beginning said, well, we've decided to start this way, but we'll steer as we go. Mm-hmm. People's mm-hmm. reputations now depend on that they made a good decision. Yeah, yeah, if you make an estimate, you do everything you can to try and stick to it. Yes. Whether you can go faster or need to go slower. So that's a sub becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. We said it would take six months. It's well, going it might look to. good if we take it a little less than six months, but if we take a lot less or more, yeah. it might not look so good. Yeah. You know? So uh, I, I'm intrigued by this idea of zero estimates and thinking that it's utterly impossible just because you have to tell them something or else they, ah. or else they just won't hire you. Right? So, I mean, so maybe one thing I, I want to clear up is that I've, when I speak about estimates, I'm sp- speaking about a very specific kind of estimates. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with that. I'm really talking about estimates about the work of creating some software. So if we are estimating how long will it take to do this project, right. or how long will it take to do this feature, or how long it will take to do this chunk of work that we want to do in the next two weeks, yep. that's what I'm talking about. There's many other kinds of estimates. But the big one you're talking about is where we're kind of saying, well, how much will this cost right. for this whole project? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it starts becoming, um, so if we narrow it down to this, it's just about the work. So it doesn't mean there are zero estimates. I could give a good example of something that I've had to estimate over and over, which is legitimate. The budget comes in for next year. I have a team of six people. How much money do we have to have? either available or ready to be available to sustain that team for a year. I can estimate that because I don't know exactly what it'll cost. We might lose somebody. We might add somebody. We we know we need so many computers. What are the latest computers coming out? We know we need to upgrade our operating system or our development environments. So I can look at what are the possibilities based on the last five years. Sure. What are we going to need to do? So that's an estimate I can make that's very useful. Yeah. Uh, but it mostly has to do with people's wages, then. In that case, it has, has to do with... Wa- As a matter of fact, what's the biggest variability is probably the wages. You could yeah. turn that on its head, too, and say, well, you give me a budget, and I'll tell you how much you can get for that. That's right. You know? But now, saying how much software we can write for that is a different thing. Mm-hmm. It's because, almost the same thing. Yeah, so software is about a discovery process. Right. right. And, and that discovery process it's not so easily pinned down as how many desks do I need? Otherwise, it wouldn't yeah. be discovery, wouldn't it? It's so no it, longer discovery. It would just be moving things from one place yeah, to another. Yeah, so we have a configuration system, yeah. and we can make your web pages based on that. So we're no longer writing code. Right. But in the early days, I don't know, you guys have been around a while, spinning up a website wasn't an easy thing. No, it was a big yeah. deal. You know, people were handwriting HTML, and mm-hmm. they were, uh, if there was any interaction at all on the web page, it was a big thing right. to figure out sure well we figured those things out yeah you know so do we need to write code for those same things over and over we don't mm-hmm. no so once so we get good at something we don't need to estimate anymore because we don't need to do it anymore so is, it, is the, the sort of key part of this is because you can deliver so rapidly estimating is basically a waste of time yeah well yeah so it, it kind of comes down to this if we're estimating 
a chunk of work based on the things we know when we know the least about the project, mm. Mm. how useful are those estimates going to be? Right. right. And an even bigger part of it is, if we get, let's say, three months into something, how much of the original things we thought we needed to do are we still needing to do? Right. And how many new things that we didn't even know about then are we needing to do? Mm. So even if our estimates were rather accurate about the original idea of the work, we're going to change the idea of the work as, you as go soon along. as we start yeah, working on it. That's so what happens. You know? This is mostly about a development team's ability to understand the business and to understand the particular ah, domain a, space. That's a strong insight right there. Because cause the way that I like to approach work is rather than say, is this small enough to work on? I want to ask some questions such as, do we understand what this is? Mm-hmm. How much of it do we understand? Right. Do we understand enough of some part of it to actually work on it? Mm. I also want to know, can this be decoupled from the rest of it? Mm-hmm. Yep. So can this part be done in isolation? Not from the parts maybe we've already done, but from the parts we still want to do. Right. So they can show value on its own? Yeah. Can it show value at all? And it really, is it, does it potentially show out value on its own? Because we won't know the value till we actually deliver it. Sure. I mean, if people could, if this was on film, you'd see me smiling quite a bit right yeah, now. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost ironic that we think we can guess the value of something. Because that, and that's, I'm not talking about estimating value. Right. But I think that's an area we need to visit next. Yeah, you right. Know? It, yeah, sure. interesting point. Because <laughs> yeah. we often, as developers, don't earn uh, the ROI of the software we've come up with. No, we have no idea, usually. Well, I often see uh, the value of the software potential value of the software highly um, uh, exaggerated yeah. so that the project can get into funding. Right. And then later on, is there enough scrutiny? So now we really try to control the costs, but are we proving that we're getting the value? Yeah, it's a lot easier. I mean, I've always worked in the web scaling space and often in e-commerce where the revenue models were so clear. Yes. You know, when we made the site twice as fast, it made more money. Yes. You know, same content, same pages, but speed mattered. More people yes. bought and they bought more. And with those clean correlations made it super easy for us to get budget. Yes. You know, you could see absolutely every second I shave off this is, you know, it grows this revenue stream this much more. You know, it's going to take us three months to do that implementation to shave that second off, but you are, you're going to re- earn it out in six months. So I hope most software brings value like that. Yeah. So, and we know many projects don't, but are, that's always what's driving us. I think a lot of failed projects... What's that? I'm not even convinced that they don't. Often it's yeah. harder to measure. It's very value. hard to measure. Oh, there's a great saying uh, by Russell Acuff that goes, um, because managers can't measure the things they want, they learn to want the things they can measure. Interesting, huh. yeah. And so we get this focus on doing the things that we can easily observe as being better and that's what we strive for instead of the things that we can only sense. Right. And, and I think actually in life it's that way. We, it's very hard to, to measure the best things about life. Right. And yet... Well, you got that right. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. And so how far can we go with this? I think that the, the result is we need to get better at sensing wonderful mm-hmm. instead of measuring wonderful. Mm. And can we do that? I, I think that a lot of companies do that. Right. And uh, I need to tell you right now that this portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Stackify. Stackify fully integrates application performance management with error and log management in one platform. 
capture performance issues as they happen without having to wait for them to reoccur. A cost-effective and lightweight agent provides you code-level insights. So try Stackify now for free and get your copy of the hilarious Developers Against Humanity card game once you activate your account. Use the link bit.ly slash netrocks, that's N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S, to get your free game. Would you played Cards Against Humanity? No, it sounds fascinating. Oh, well, Cards Against Humanity is a whole other topic, but it's a game where... Uh, it's horrible. It's horrible, yeah. <laughs> it's, They'll take a setting. The picnic was interrupted by blank. And then you have another set of cards, which can be various things. And so Most the, of them are horrible. Most of them are horrible or double entendre or whatever. So yeah. in this case, I just pulled one out of the box, and it says The picnic was interrupted by... A mini dump. <laughs> You can take. There's many ways to take yeah. that. That was a very polite <laughs> choice because some of the cards and you get cards against humanity. <laughs> are this is developers against, against humanity. humanity. Yeah, so. yeah. A mini dump. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, so there you go. Uh, and uh, Stackify, a fairly new sponsor, but and uh, but a great game. But that was actually pretty pretty timely for our yeah. conversation. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's great. You know, all about the instrumentation of software so you know how it's behaving and, and really can well, try you know, and get so a sense of the value of it. That brings up a really important point, is that, that until we get something actually working, there's nothing really to measure about the software itself anyways. Absolutely, yeah. And so it's, uh, I've actually worked on projects, and I'm sure you guys have as well. Three months or six months, it gets delivered, mm-hmm. and you've put some tracking in it so you know the usage, and nobody ever uses a thing. Right. So whose decision was it to write this software? And then, then why didn't we find out earlier? Before we wrote, put all this Before we got this far into it. I, I, I do find it really affects developers to have their software not used. Yes. Like it matters. To yes. Them. It wasn't enough to write it. It needs to live. Yeah, so that's the, a good point. When they're asking you, how long is it going to take? Do you say, ask me that after the first week? Ah. Or do you just sit, simply say, you know, we've done a sprint. You know, this is how much we set out to do. This is how much we've done. Now take a look at this in the big picture, and you might get a better sense. And, of course, we know that the further along you go, the more sprints you do, the more accurate your estimates get. But is that, is, does that work for you? Yeah, now, so that's one of the approaches that people are using. That's not exactly my approach. And, and the reason is sort of what we already discussed. Early on, we can't really know how much work there really, how many of the things we think we need yeah. are we going to need to code. Mm-hmm. So if we say, well, if we're really going to do these 50 items and it takes us a week to do two of the items, well, then we know how many weeks it's going to take to do this. But, but I'm looking for the very least amount of that work that we can do right. and deliver value. This is sort of the idea right. I want it to be self-funding. Once you get a project to the point where the value that's coming in for it will pay for further development right. on it, right. then you can conceptually spin up more and more development capability. Yeah. But if you, if you can't find that out quickly, so we can't look into the future. Matter of fact, estimates are about trying to determine the future. How much will it cost? How many people do we have to hire? How long will it when take? can we deliver? How yeah. long will it take? And that's, those are things we can't control. Sure. In fact, it's an it's a embarrassing thing almost to me that we continue to think we can control those things. Mm-hmm. Over many years, I think we've demonstrated we can't. Right. And should we control those things? Because it might be like we were saying, you, you said earlier that it might be blocking us from getting the much better things we could get if we stopped trying to control those things. Right. There's something better to control, I would think. And, and what is and, that? Well, 
basically that we have an environment where great things can happen. Right. So if we're working on the system, instead of working on inside the system, right. how exactly we do things, we have a better chance of getting good things done. So I like to think of it this way. If we, if we put a system together or put an environment together where people can do awesome things, they're going to do awesome things. Because everybody wants to do awesome sure. things. But if we don't put that environment or allow that environment to exist, everybody's using their energy to just to get through the day. Right. Yeah, yeah. And we don't want to use up our energy just maintaining our sanity. We want to work in an environment where our sanity is no longer a problem. No matter how much pressure the project might be under, everybody has to work um, with a certain calmness and a certain... Um, fullness in their lives or their, their output's going to be lousy. De yeah, death marching. Death marching. And so the more pressure you put on a system that's under pressure, the worse it's going to get. Yeah. And yet we traditionally see the that over The beatings will continue until morale improves. Yes. <laughs> and I don't think that's ever worked. But, you know, people try it over and over again. I, can't, I came in as a, uh, a hired gun on a team that had been death marching for six months. Yes. And they'd been working weekends and everything. And uh, we sort of met with everybody, sort of look what was going on. And, and the guy said, what do you think? He says, I think they need the weekend off. Like, step one, the doors are being locked. Everybody go home. You may not work this yes. weekend. Yes, yep. That's right. right? Like, I'm not saying you can. I'm saying you must. Yeah, I think that's powerful. Right? And then you start from there. Yeah. Because this is creative work. Yeah. You know, you, you can't beat yourself into creativity. Yeah, that's a good point. Because at, at some point... We need to have the, the energy, life energy, to bring our best to the work. Sure. And if we don't realize that, we're draining it. Mm -hmm. and, and I've been on these projects where people are expected. I, I was on one where they put together a tiger team. And the tiger team was expected to work the entire weekend. If you got sleepy, you slept on the floor. And you were expected not to get sleepy. Right. You know, it's like, how can we get anything done in that time? Yeah. We're trying to solve some big things. But that's not going to solve them. Well, I also think that, uh, I've described it this way, there are two directions we can go in a project, right? We're going to do something. The question is, are we going to get closer to the solution or further away from yes. it? Right? Yes, yes. It's not that any contribution is a contribution towards the goal. There's, you can uh. definitely write code that is going to impair progress. That's right. But now I have to take the time to remove that code to also move oh, forward. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a real good point, too. Yeah, it's a, that's a yeah. nasty trap to get into. Yeah, I was just going to say, so every line of code that you add to a project that's in trouble is adding to the trouble. Is weight. You know, and it, <laughs> and it can get to the point where nobody can work on it any longer. Yeah. Uh, I've been on at least a handful of these where at some point someone says, we need to start over. Yes. And, and it hasn't even been delivered to production yet. Right. And so, usually oh, in a different you know, language. You know? it, yeah, it it's could be. It's a guy in the corner yeah. of the room going, you know, if we wrote this Ruby on Rails, we wouldn't have these <laughs> yeah, problems. we'd have this now. <laughs> and, and in some cases you might. Yeah. You know, but it's the, the point is, is that we should never let our code get to that. No. We, you know? how, did, how did we get here in the first yeah. place? But I really like this idea. I mean, there's a couple of things I'm taking away from this. So the first is everybody needs to know what's valuable. Like you actually have to understand the business and understand the potential of the project as a whole. Like I've, I've definitely dealt with organizations where there's a product manager and they're the only ones that actually yes. know the value prop and they're trying to treat the rest of the team as cogs in a machine. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, you will happens. build this and you will build this. Do not ask why, just build it. Right. Yeah. 
And, and I think that's really impairing to not yeah. know the value proposition and, and to have everybody thinking about how to provide value. You know, the problem is we're all control freaks, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, so you, so you don't get into development unless you've got a little bit of that OCD control freak thing yes. happening. So that's the other. What should we control? Let's yeah. control our urge to control things. Totally. <laughs> I'm totally with you. Yeah. Yeah, you and, have to bury that. And, and it can be very difficult because most of us get into software development at all levels because of the autonomy that we get. Yeah. Nobody can really tell you how to think. Yeah. We each think in our own unique way, and we can say, hey, look, I'll get through this. Just leave me alone for a few days. Right. And then we bury our heads in it. And we yeah, all say that, too. And like, we've tell all me what said, you want, I've said I'm going to go do it. Yep. Yeah. And the end result can be good, yeah. but it doesn't mean that it is always good, and it can be bad. Well, the end, yeah, the end result can be good, but usually... Even if the end result is bad, we have a good time because yeah. we're controlling things. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I've often seen it where we we. So this is a, a quote from Bjarte Buxnes, who's from here in uh, Norway, and that is he says, "The fear of losing control is what makes change difficult, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the control is often an illusion. Right, but yeah. the fear is very real. Sure." I kind of messed up that quote, but that's the basic idea. Yeah, yeah. So we know that the fear is really real, but we don't accept it that the control is an illusion. So we, we need to take that step. If you think about it, fear is an illusion too. And probably it? fear is an illusion. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it feels real because it is what it is. So there's a lot of things I don't understand about uh, the environment of software development. So I have to just accept them for being the way they are. But there are some things that I've seen that I have a full uh, confidence are harming the way that we're doing our work. And I want us to be able to speak about them. So in the early days of speaking about, to talking with other people about estimates, I would notice that estimates were part of a, of a system that was in place that was a problem. The est- estimates themselves weren't the problem. The, the problem was why we wanted the estimates. Right. So that's what I wanted to explore. But when you try to bring that up, everyone says, no, we just need to do our estimates. I've had managers actually come to me and say, I need your estimates. And I say, well, these estimates won't mean anything because I don't understand enough. I still need them. I need to plug them into the system so we can do our plan. So that to me is a... Yeah, I'm asking for inaccurate data so that I can extrapolate from it and make larger inaccurate assumptions from it. Yeah. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is. Must be that happy time again. Yeah. It's time to estimate how many estimates we'll need to make before we can start estimating the approximate amount of time before our estimates will be accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right. That's a very inception estimate there. (laughs) Estimate within an estimate within an estimate. Yeah, and I I often see this where someone will say, yeah, this will take... um, they say, how long is that going to take? We'll say, well, it'll take two weeks. You mean two weeks exactly? Well, no, you know, two weeks, give or, give or take a few days. <laughs> so now we're, giving, <laughs> no, now we're giving, we're going to give a range, and that's a popular thing. And then we say, well, how confident are you of that? Well, about 75% confident. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we have an estimate on an estimate on an estimate. That's right. You've got three levels of estimate. Well, actually, it's time to give away a DevExpress 
Well, actually, it's time to give away a D-Experience subscription to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial at devexpress.com slash superhero. All right, buddy, who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Nick Dyer. Congratulations, Nick. Yeah. Claps for you, sir. Golf clap for you. And uh, Nick just won the D-Experience subscription from Developer Express, the big pile. Awesome for them. If you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. Every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors, and every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And Woody, it's your turn. If you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, sir, what would you buy? Yeah, I, I, I've pondered this question, but uh, what I would really love right now is a really huge monitor. Cool. So, How huge is huge for you? Yeah, so, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you get it. It's huge. Big. Yeah, I'd say at least three by five feet, but Does maybe a little bigger than that. it have its own zip code? Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they're saying they, they quoted five, the prices huh? for the new Surface Hub, the 84-inch touch display, but it's $20,000. Yeah, so I could get one quarter of that. That's is it. that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. There was, a, I think it was a 42-inch model that was going to be 7500 bucks, which yeah. is sort of in that ballpark. But I think... The, I'll throw in the extra. The expensive part yeah. is the touch, right? Like, that's yeah. what's really costing yeah. you there. Just having a big screen. Yeah. Uh, there's always a projector, you know? Yeah, so, you know, it, for me, the, with the mob programming stuff unrelated with, to what we're talking about, I've gotten used to being around other people while we're working. Right. And I love having that huge display yeah. so three or four people can be working together and looking at the same thing without squinting, right. you know? So they're not all leaning in on the screen. Yeah. They're looking at something big yeah. enough that they so can really So have you seen the short throw projectors that you put up yeah. against the wall and they can project like, you know, what are they? Full-size screens, yeah. 20 feet, you know, in each direction or something? Yeah, I've tried a few of those recently. They're really, really cool. They're neat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that might take the place of a big monitor. And they're, and they're, that, they're in that price range. But, I mean, the, yeah. the thing about a monitor is it's not reflected, right? Like yeah. it's, it's a big, sure. strong image. So the the... the best thing about a projected image is it's real easy to use a laser pointer on it. Right. Yeah. But when you're using a monitor, you have to pick just the right monitor or else that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> right. a whole other set of problems. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it, you're really talking about a collaboration screen. Multiple a collaboration screen. Being able to work on it together. So, but a funny thing about it is, although we started that as, as a group of programmers, I've now worked with people doing other things, mm -hmm. uh, such as editing something uh, unrelated to, to software or designing something. And... Having a big, a huge monitor that everybody can sit comfortably around instead of instead of huddle around yep. is just really cool. Really powerful, you know. So yeah, how's the mob programming thing going for you? And we did a great yeah. show on this and a couple years ago, it was a year or two ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, I've left uh, Hunter. Yeah. And yeah. What, what happened was uh, one day uh, we were sitting there working as I always worked with the team. Yep. And uh, there was a, something they needed to work on that I noticed, so I mentioned it to them. They took a card out. So we always have these three-by-five cards. They wrote it down, mm -hmm. put it on our board which with a magnet. 
And then they went on finishing the work because this is the way we would work. Anybody has an idea of something we need to do, yeah. we just capture it, but finish the work we're doing. We're yeah, always right. driving to finishing something. And then they got done. They went to the board. Well, what should we work on next? And they looked at my card and they said, well, let's do this first because it was about getting everything organized. Okay. So they pulled it down and they worked on it for about three hours. Mm-hmm. And the whole time they didn't turn to me. They didn't have to ask me anything. They didn't... Um, there was nothing blocking them from getting their work done. Nice. And it, it kind of my heart kind of sank a little bit. Mm. And I go, I don't think these guys need me at all oh. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I took them to lunch. And we usually go to lunch every day together, go out on a hike and, and have lunch. Took them to lunch and I said, you know, tell them what I saw. And I said, unless you can find a really compelling reason for me to stay, yeah. it's probably better for you if I go. And it's probably time for me to try something else. Yeah. So... What they've done since I've left, it's only been two, two months, but we were putting into place the idea of having some interns. And so they brought in a small group of interns, yeah. and they're going to run two mobs now in there. So they've rearranged the workspace. Mm-hmm. And I think they're doing marvelously. I'm going to go visit them next week cool. and see how they're doing. I don't remember if I asked you this on the, on the show, because it was a couple years ago, but do, can you reproduce that environment remotely? We have. You have? Yeah. So uh, I've actually worked remotely with mobs. It's not quite the same. But, but in some it, cases, I can imagine it might be a little better, though. It has, its, it has some advantages. Yeah. Because, because it, the, uh, the ability, you have to have the right tools in place to do it. Yeah. So sharing the screen bandwidth. is one thing. Being able to edit on the screen is another thing. Right. So you have to have the, some good tools that allow you to, to pass the keyboard around, so yeah, to right. speak. Sure. But you can be very focused and very uh, effective remotely doing that. Yeah. As long as you have a big enough block of time, because you can't do it in 10-minute chunks. Sure. One of the things I've found with GoToMeeting in particular is that it's very easy for people to steal the, the control when they didn't intend to. Yes. Have you found that to be true? Yeah, and a lot of the tools are that way. And I think maybe it's going to get advanced uh, quickly beyond that. But you just, so you have to have a protocol. Right. Somebody has to say, you know, I'm going to take... But even when you're, when you're just using your your environment and you can accidentally yeah. you, you know mess things up so right. yeah you, you have to have a way you there are raise. ways though uh do you, you know who pat maddox is you know of oh, him? sure yeah so he's been doing a thing it's called ruby steps or something like that uh where where they're actually doing a remote uh uh work nice and it's mostly to teach people it's really wonderful he's a great guy if you've never interviewed him he's he's a real yeah that's uh, a good idea ball of fun and he so, but they've got it working pretty sophisticated. I think it works pretty well. It's really, it's so, really cool. The remote model is a whole other thing. But you're right. It means yeah. you need good collaborative tools. I'm trying to get back to this sort of core concept of not needing to do estimates because you're yes. delivering so quickly. <laughs> yes. The um, so I've got my team and I'm getting them informed about the domain, like really understanding the potential of the project, what's going on there. Then you've got to sort of work out some tasks. Like, what are we going to work on first? Yes. And I see a matrix of value over time, right? That yes. It, that here's a very high value thing, but it's going to take a long time to do. Here's something with, you know, only 10% of the value, but it's a 1% of the effort. Mm, right. Maybe it's worth doing that first. Like, I, I would think we would tend to grab the highest value thing irrespective yes. of effort. So knowing what the effort will be is the tricky part. Mm-hmm. Right. This is where we get back to estimating. Yeah. So if we, if we can see, look at something and go, I completely understand this. Right. Um, it's decouplable from the rest of this. Yep. It's, it's, it belongs together. That's something I'm always looking for. Do the things that are what you're asking for actually belong together or are they just peripherally related to each yeah. other? Right. So if they really belong together, which is the idea of cohesiveness... 
if they really belong together, then yeah, let's work on it. If we find it's too big, as once we start working on it, right. then we'll split something off of it. But so the, the idea is we no longer have to judge, is this small? We just have to judge, does it have these qualities? Because if it does, it's small enough to work on. Right. So if we try to say, if we do this big thing that's going to give us a lot of uh, value, we do this little thing, it'll give us a little value. That's a decision we no longer need to make. Because what we're looking for is the qualities that almost end, uh, always end up with something that's small enough to work on. And usually, then we can deliver it. Usually the things that trip me up when, val- when uh, trying to estimate the amount of work and effort that will be required is when there are unknowns technologically that, yes. technological unknowns that, you know, this is, oh, this is something that we don't have any experience with. Right. Yeah. We're going to have to do some research first. And yeah. so what I tend to do is first chop off those, that research within, you know, the, take a whole week to do that. Yes. And then, you know, after the week, we have a better uh, Absolutely. idea of how, how much it's going to... So whether, that's like the idea yeah. of doing a, pro, a prototype. Right. It, sure. it could be a very small, minimal prototype. But an interesting thing with software is often things that I've written as prototypes... They get deployed. They can get deployed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if you do it at good enough quality, well, then start it as a prototype and then judge for yourself, is, do I have the quality where it needs to be right. to deliver it? And if I do, then it can move on. But yeah, we can lessen the risk of how long will this take by investing some time in learning about yep, it. Yep. And that works, though, with value things as well. So I'm not ever looking for the most valuable thing. Right. Because how are we going to judge that? I'm just looking for something that has potential value. And if we can, get can really we good, at, that we can deliver quickly. Right. Yeah. If we get good at that. Now, people will bring up these ex- examples like, well, we're making an airplane. We can't deliver just the wing. We can't deliver just the engine. <laughs> right. Okay, sure. There are some projects that are going to be that way. They have to be a whole. That they, they, they have to be the whole. You don't have to make your first airplane a 747. Right? That's right. Like it can be a smaller plane. And you could very easily. So we can block our ability to think about the goodness of other possible models by using the most, the most obvious example of where it wouldn't work. Right. Well, okay, I, I'll buy that. It sure. won't work for that. Yeah. But what if we were. What if we're designing this new airplane, and in the meantime, we get some improvements to the engines that we can use on the current airplanes we're building? Right. So there there can often be a way that we can use our innovations on stuff we already have. So, I mean, this is a complex topic. We could go on for literally hours. But I think it's it's an important one in that sense. Yes. You're still going to have this pressure to estimate. Absolutely. How do you get that pressure to come off by just delivering? So, I mean, there's a period where they're expecting you to figure out the estimate. In that time, are you delivering code? So, so where it started for me was uh, when I started realizing that there are some better ways. Mm-hmm. was over 10 years ago. And I was called in on a project that was a complete failure. They couldn't put it... It was a product that was in production for many years already. They had started some new features on it. And they couldn't even put bug fixes back into production because they had broken so much of the code and their source control system wasn't very good. Right. So the point was, it didn't matter what they estimated because the thing couldn't even be deployed any longer. Right. So I basically went in and I asked the question that I was kind of saying, can you, can you show me some small part of this that I can understand? Now, when I ask for a small part, that's because what people can, can see. That's not really estimating it small. I want them to show me something I can understand. Right. So once they started showing me something they, that I could understand, then we could start working on it. Mm-hmm. The first thing we did is we reverted back to the day, the last known build. 
we were able to get back to no last known functioning built. Okay. And that really threw away a year's worth of work. Wow. Because there was so much that wasn't working. Yeah. Do we want to go in and bug fix all this stuff? Or do we want to get back to something we know is working? And then right. so now we can start deploying the bug fixes. Right. And then I asked him, what's something if you had right now, you would just love to have right now? Magic yeah. feature. Right. And they want it to have estimates for all this stuff. But what it come down to, they were able to say, well, if we could have this this week, that would be great. Yeah, right. You know, that would be really great. It's so then eerily I, similar to my issue, exactly. to my situation. And so we just kept, you can pare that down. You yeah. say, okay, you got five things involved here. I can't understand them all. Mm -hmm. What if we took one of those things? Right. And then it was, okay, what's the least we can do on that? So this is the 80-20 rule. The low-hanging right. fruit, I it's call it. It's kind of like yeah. a low-hanging fruit. Yeah. But we're going to learn whether it's low-hanging sure. fruit. Yeah, yeah. So, and once we delivered that, so initially they had estimates for everything. Once we delivered that, we went on to the next one and right. the next one. And after about five items, they stopped asking for right. the estimates. Okay. And so now are you there. winning trust? Is that what's happening in this process? It's a, it's a trust, trust in the process mm -hmm. right. of picking off a little bit and getting it into production. Now, so right. you, and you hinted at this. What do they want the estimate for, actually? I mean, is it just a tool to be used to beat you with when you can't make it? Well, and that's the most evil use yeah. <laughs> right there. I, and I've actually, uh, I've done these um, uh, workshops where people write down all the things they've used estimates for and we put them up. Right. And I saw one one said, to fire somebody. Yeah, there you go. So they, wow. they, they had shared the story yeah. how they had purposefully... Uh, made sure they had enough ammunition to fire somebody. Right. And By that's making them make estimates they were not capable of making. Yeah, and then holding make them the to estimates, it. You know? yeah. So that's the trick. I want you to pick a number out of the sky and then yeah. hit it. And all of a sudden, there were no more estimates after yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> one way to get rid of estimates, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, so the, but the end result of that particular thing was I didn't start out telling them we're not going to do estimates. I just wanted to get the, the project rolling again. Right. And it when gives we them an idea of how long things take when you chop them off. And, yeah. And, and yeah. So and the, yeah. Rather than saying, let's take on the smallest thing, let's look for these other qualities, that they're understandable, that they can be decoupled, right. that, that, that they're discreet, that they are recognizable as something that belongs together. And often I would think a bunch of this is in code. Oh, but that's a good point. You're talking about delivering value, yeah. right? It's like when I sort of understand the whole space of a domain or that, that particular problem space, it's like, there might be other ways to solve this. Like, this yes. has already been solved. Couldn't we bring something in or, you know, just address the yes. issue? It's like a reporting system. When it says, how, how long is it going to take to write this reporting system? Right. Well, if you know one report you want, we can do it without writing any code. Yeah. You know, because there's existing tools for doing this. Well, so, I, how much code do we need to write for yeah. this particular Why does project? it have to be code at all? Why am I estimating that at That's all? That's right. I got, I got brought into a performance tuning run on a site, and they were budgeting, you know, tell me how many months worth of coding you're going to need to do there, and I plugged a CDN into the site and offloaded a whole bunch of the work, and it went faster that day. Yeah, there you and go. And then I went, why would you write code, yeah. you know? I thought you just wanted the site to go faster. Don't dictate method. So yeah. there's Give a question a I would ask. Then if, if they're already seeking code, they think they know the solution yes. already. 
Right. So we we need to ask that question. Yeah. Do you, do you want us to solve a problem or do you want to tell us the solution and we right. implement it? Usually the solution cannot be defined up front. Yeah. So we really need to dis- But people tend that. to come with you yeah. with the expected solutions every time. Yeah. But wait a minute. Isn't Agile the solution to everything? <laughs> ah. Come so, on now, Woody. This is the beauty to me of, of Agile. It's that it's a, it's a set of guidelines for us to think about how we're going to do our work. And it, there's almost nothing in there that demands we do anything a specific way. I think there's a couple things that hint at that. But early and often delivery... We can implement that any number of ways. Yeah, right. You know, I think this conference actually has got a lot of uh, uh, a lot of sessions on things like um, continuous de- delivery or continuous deployment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, things like security, which is really, really important. Yeah. Uh, and getting much more, and so on. So th- there's these bigger chunks of things that we need to solve. Um, I'm really big on the continuous deployment. That's that yeah. solved a lot of problems for us. If we can click a button, get something deployed, that makes it possible to do all the rest of these things. Sure yeah. does. But we'll make all that stuff faster. So, first of all, knowing that you guys were going to be here yep. when I was invited made me realize right away that this is probably a really good conference to come to. <laughs> oh, cool. Because you guys end up always the best to come. <laughs> so well, I want to ask you guys a question. Oh, sure. Yeah, so what's the best thing about this conference? What is it about this conference? I love the, the environment. And what I mean by that is the physical environment that this place is in. I'm all about, you know, the way a space makes you feel. Yes. And this space makes me feel empowered. Ah, and it's not the same old hotel, bland conference walls, and you know what I mean, and just a yes. boxy room. It really is hip, and yes. it makes me feel a little bit uh, different than uh, most other conferences. Ah, so you're talking about the environment? Absolutely, I love it. Yeah, so but you've got to understand, my experience of this show isn't in the sessions. I mean, Richard and I work here in this fishbowl right. when we come here the whole time. Right. You know, we, so might, you get, yeah, we might get to do a session uh, or, or see us catch a session, but Not very most many. of the time we're working, right? right. So, for, so for me, I love this environment where, you know, some of the smartest people in the world are walking around with ice cream and hot dogs or whatever. And, <laughs> but also know? the sense of, I mean, we're literally coming towards the end of the show and the sessions are breaking and everybody's flowing back into the central area right. again. And it happens several times a day. You have that yeah. vibe. Yeah. So it's really lively. Yeah. Really but, you know, the lively. other piece of this particular show, we've gone to every one of these, I think seven or eight of them now. Um, their content selection is really thoughtful. You know, they've yeah. got very, they've been focused on diversity. Yes. Of topic area and personalities and things. You know, you don't see the same group here of, of speakers. Ah. It changes constantly. What we, what we hear is one of the best features is the, what is it, the ADD room? Oh, yes. This yeah. is, that's really a feature of this facility. Yeah. That because, it's, because we're in a place that's multilingual, they have an audio system with multiple channels. So you can ah. hear different languages. And they've used that space. They've hung up they have one room that has a screen for every one of the other rooms. Then you have this headset where you can switch to the audio for each of the rooms. So if you want to watch eight sessions at once, because you're that kind of ADD, <laughs> you, keep clicking you can through go it. to the ADD yeah. room, just keep clicking through, yeah. watch all the sessions. Yeah, I poked my head into that. That's kind of amazing to see all those screens. That's what I want. That's, that's what I want right there. <laughs> I want you don't room. want one big screen. You want a lot of so big let's screens. So let's try mob programming with 500 people. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of mob. Oh, man. I doubt if that would work, but what, I'd like to try it. Yeah. What do you like best about 
this conference? So I, I'd heard of this conference for several years. And uh, just through a friend of mine, I was able to get an invitation to come. So that, first of all, was a, a big honor for me. But then as I saw the list of names who was going to be here, I got more and more excited. Yeah. So the, it's kind of like the diversity of the speakers who are going to be here right, right. Was, was good. They were bringing them from all over the place. Right. So that was the beginning of it for me. But you don't know until you get somewhere. My wife always yeah, says yeah. that. You don't know a town until you walk through it. Yeah. Right. So I got here and everybody's been really welcoming. Yeah. You can't turn in a direction where there isn't a friendly face right. and somebody who's got something interesting they want to talk about. Yeah. Right. So it's like everything about this is perfect. Personal, and yet I don't know how many people are here, a couple thousand. Yep. It's a lot of people. Yeah. But it's like being in a small, in a tiny little town. It's wonderful. Yeah. So I've only gone to one session and then I had mine and I'm looking forward to attending a bunch more. I've already got one lined up for right after this. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, lot of great topics. Yeah, lots to see and do. So what's next for you, Woody? What's on your to-do list? You mean in the future? Yeah. yeah. So I'm really loving getting uh, assimilated into the industrial logic thing. The people who work there are really brilliant. Yeah. And um, some of the people I've admired, I bought Joshua's book years ago when it first came out. And so now I'm learning from the inside their processes and the way they work. Hmm. They actually, uh, Joshua wrote an article that essentially echoes the no estimate idea in 2009, I think it was, or maybe 2011, but about a process they started using in 2007. Hmm. So a lot is correlated there and it all comes down to this concept they call onzineering which is about safety safety in the environment mm-hmm. of of software development so that's something i'm really exploring and really enjoying okay and i'm going to grow a, a lot in that where is hunter located yeah hunter's in san marcos california okay which is near san diego yeah so i lived uh, i live in san diego area and i've lived there all my life Wonderful place. Yeah, you know, we, when we were at the San Diego Air and Space Museum, you came in. Yeah, uh, the whole team came down except me. Yeah. Because right. somebody has to stay at the workplace. I would have loved to have come. Yeah. Yeah, they came down and visited you guys. You were on a tour. On the road trip. Yeah, yeah. On the road. that's fantastic. The many road trips that we Everybody had a great time. Yeah. And that team is still in place, but they've grown a little bit. If you're ever in the area, you're welcome to come and visit. Oh, we definitely yeah. will. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot, Woody. It's been great talking to you, and I'm, for one, am looking forward to not having to give an estimate ever again. Good, good. <laughs> <laughs> good luck I on that. I hope it works. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.